0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life-balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of Ayers on the Road. Um, this will be an interesting edition because I'm flying solo today. We're without, uh, without Linda. I'll give you a brief update on that and then we'll get started. Um, so every year about this time, almost every year, Linda takes our daughters and daughters-in-law and they go off on a, tri- on a trip or a retreat, I guess you could call it, and boy, they have a good time and all of the husbands are left at home with all the babies and children and uh, we get a workout. It's good, f- it's good for the husbands and it's good for the wives. And this particular year, they went to Charleston, South Carolina, and they're also going over to Savannah, Georgia, and they're spending some time at the Outer Banks. And uh, it's really going to be quite a trip, I think, for them. And I'm on my own for a while, which is always an interesting experience and it always makes me you've heard the you've heard the saying absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well it certainly is true in my case. So we were gonna try to get Linda on the podcast today from South Carolina with all of her daughters and daughters in law, but the logistics proved to be Overwhelming. And so, as a result, I'm just going to do this myself today. And I hope you'll enjoy this. As many of you who listen regularly know, um, I've been doing a lot of writing lately on what I've called the parental God and trying to think in my own mind and express in words what a difference it makes when people perceive God, the God that they worship, as a parent, as opposed to a sovereign God or a, a God who is a mighty creator, but impersonal in in various ways, a God without body parts or passions, a God who uh, hears our prayers, but who is not related to us in the sense of a parental God. And so it's a wonderful kind of a blessing, I think. And and there are a lot of ramifications from trying to think this way. Um, It's one of the things I'm most grateful for theologically in the church that I belong to and in the faith that I believe in in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of the great blessings and one of the things I find myself pondering most often is this concept of a parental God, of heavenly parents, of a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, because once you conceive and believe in that particular paradigm, it makes other parts of theology and other parts of doctrine seem natural and almost self-evident. For example, if, if we really believe in heavenly parents, then of course we must have lived with them at some point. They must have conceived us spiritually. There must have been a spiritual realm where we were with them before this earth was created and before we came here and it it makes it makes the whole idea of children of god seem wonderful and seem beautiful and i think as we ponder that especially those of us who are parents but really everyone because we, we, we've all been children of parents if we're not parents ourselves, and it And it's a natural and logical idea to believe that in the growth of a child, uh, a, a child becoming an adult, there comes a time when going off on his or her own is part of the maturation process, physically and emotionally and so on. So we send our children off to college or we send them off to school Hopefully we've taught them enough that they can now learn more when they're away and when they have to make their own choices and their own decisions and so on. And so it's very natural to think of in, in the paradigm of a parental God, it's natural to think of our heavenly parents in the same way and, and to conceive of a pre-mortal life where we lived with them and and to believe in a logical and rational way, that there came a time in our spiritual development when it was time for us to go off on our own, so to speak, to have agency, to make choices, and to try to become more like our heavenly parents. And so the creation of this world follows in that, in that paradigm that this was the orbiting school of choices and of physical bodies and of procreation, being able to become parents ourselves. In fact, some have said um, the, the way in which we most become like our heavenly parents in this mortality is that we take on the role which before this world belonged only to them, namely the role of parent. And It's in that role that we learn unconditional love and that we learn the sort of sacrifice and responsibility and commitment that makes us mature as people and, in our belief, that makes us a little more like God, who is the ultimate of all those characteristics and who, of course, is our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother. So, with those things in mind, let me just for a moment um, try to put that in, in in maybe a little more terse phraseology. Um, at the beginning of each of these little articles I've been doing um, is a little author's note. And one of the things it does is overview the the things that flow out of the idea of a parental God. In other words, if you think of heavenly parents as the theological trunk of theology, then what are the branches that grow from it? What are the things that stem from that? What are the other beliefs that become natural and logical within that paradigm? And, and I've mentioned that there must have been a pre-mortal life where we were with those parents. It also becomes natural to believe that our heavenly parents w- will forgive us just as we forgive our children. We, we don't expect perfection of them. We understand that they're limited in their understanding and that they'll make mistakes. And so it's natural to believe that there is an afterlife in which everything becomes equal. Those who didn't have certain opportunities on this world would have those opportunities later. And this whole flow of eternity, this whole what we call a plan of happiness or plan of salvation, of course parents, heavenly parents, would have a plan for the happiness of their children just as we as mortal earthly parents try to plan or think about the happiness of our children. And so, um, there we are. And, and in this last, uh, the final article that I just wrote on this comment, or on this subject, um, let me read a little from the, my author's note in that one. I will be a little more personal in this final article and speak more in the first person. When you finish reading, please comment. Let me know. What you think. And so what I'm trying to say in this final article are what are the ramifications? How how do we celebrate the the ramifications and the understanding that comes from thinking along these lines? So I say I want to end this series by talking about the joy, the gratitude, and the power that comes with belief in heavenly parents. If we deeply and truly believe in a parental God, what are the ramifications in terms of what else that allows us to believe? What burdens does it lift from us? How does it help us with setting priorities and making decisions? How does it affect and determine our character? What does it increase in terms of peace and harmony, and can it even decrease our anxiety and our Depression. Um, one of the great leaders in our church, in fact, the current president of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, who we revere and, and who happens to be, in our case, a close and wonderful mentor and friend, President Russell M. Ballard, put it. He put it this way. Listen to the power of this little phrase. The foundational fact of heavenly parentage is not just my truth or your truth. It is eternal truth. So the question I want to explore today in this podcast is, how does acceptance of that eternal truth change us? How does it affect how we view other people? How does it impact how we treat and respect our spouses and our own children? How does it resolve our faith crises? How does it help us answer our critics? How does it change how and for what we pray? These are personal questions, obviously, and everyone has to answer these for themselves. And I think with our personal answers will come a stronger personal testimony, a deeper consistency, if you will, between the various facets of of our faith. So, as I mentioned, if if you make belief in a parental God, sort of the trunk of theology, I mentioned some of the things that, that spring from that. Um, that allows us to look at earth as a gift from our parents uh, that they made for us. It, it allows us, I think, to appreciate the world even more. It, it allows us to view our bodies, which we believe are made in, in their image, as a further gift and, and something that allows us to become more like them. Um, I think it, it compels us to understand complete gender equality and complete equality among all people of all races because the simple fact in this belief paradigm is that we are literally brothers and sisters. That's not a metaphor. I mean, that, that might be the key is understanding that, you know, everyone on this earth, if you believe in a parental God is literally your spiritual brother or sister. And so tolerance becomes not a task, but something that, that is natural because we love our brothers and sisters. Um, I think it helps in our view of Christ. We view Jesus not only as our Lord and Savior, but as the firstborn son of our heavenly parents. And I think it makes the first two great commandments more powerful. Love our heavenly parents, love God, and love your fellow man or our spirit siblings. I think it it creates a kind of faith that, Makes repentance more, more real because we understand that our parents, our God, will forgive us because of unconditional love for us, and it it certainly makes the doctrine and challenge of putting family first and being true and faithful to, to our covenants uh, as an as an obvious and important natural part of of this belief, and so. There's a lot of power in believing in a parental God and thinking of God as as a personal and loving father and mother. And so let us take a little break and just stay with us here. And I'll be back in just a minute and we'll probe this a little further and try to apply it more to our personal lives. How does this belief impact who we are and how we live? Hang on, we'll be right back on Iyers on the Road. Welcome back to Iyers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back on Iyers on the Road. Just an Iyer on the Road, not two Iyers, although the other Iyer, Linda is really on the road today. On the Outer Banks with her four daughters and four daughters in law. Actually a couple of daughters in law didn't make it, but they're still a good group enough to fill up a van. They're driving around. They're I don't know what they're talking about, but we used to call uh Linda used to call that group of she and all of her daughters, uh the mothers and future mothers of IR Realm. <laughs> But they're all mothers now, so I guess I'll have to drop the future part. Anyway, best wishes to Linda. I'm sure I expressed that from all of you who listen to this podcast, too. And we'll be glad to welcome her back next week. But for today, let me continue on with uh, this discussion of what difference does it make in terms of how you perceive God? How you perceive God the being you pray to, the being you worship. And I'm making the case that it makes a huge difference if you see God as a parent, not just as a creator. So for a minute, try to think like a parent yourself, whether you are one or not. Most, many of you listeners are parents. If you're not, think like a parent for a minute. Wouldn't you want to live with your children and teach and guide them until you felt they were ready and in need of the additional freedom and growth that would come when they were out on their own? Um, Wouldn't you have some kind of a plan for their well-being? Wouldn't you offer them second chances when they make mistakes? And wouldn't you hope that they prioritized and loved their own families as you have loved them? What What I'm trying to say is, We can understand a little more about God's love for us when we reflect it in our own love for our children. And so, um, if we are parents here on earth, or if we're the children of parents, I guess that is pretty inclusive of everyone, right? Then we begin to understand the simple truth that there is no other love quite as deep or as unconditional or as unending as the love one has for a child unless it's the love for a spouse that that we see as our eternal companion and partner and maybe half of the oneness that we're trying to to develop in this life. Uh, I have a friend that used to say you know that the what we're really here to learn on this life is love. This is a love school. We're, we're here in this school of love. We're try, Our goal is to learn to love everyone. And if that's true, if this is a love school, then the main class in the curriculum is, is the family because that's where we assume the roles for the very first time in eternity, roles that before this earth belonged only to God, the role of a husband, a wife, a parent, and these are, when we come to this world, these these family roles, husband, wife, parent, uncle, aunt, cousin, these are more than blood relationships. They're actually, in, in this way of thinking, they're the expanding structure of our heavenly parents' extended family. Indeed, they are and will become the very government of God. So it's interesting that uh, as missionaries in, in our church, we often um, teach people that, we hey, we came to this earth to gain bodies and to be tested. And we say that in the context of trying to grow little by little more like God. But when we really think about it, as I mentioned earlier, the thing about mortality that truly makes us more like our heavenly parents is to become parents ourselves. And as parents, we experience total irrational, some people call it irrational love, unconditional love for our children. And so we begin to understand on a deeper and more personal level, we be, just begin, we just get a hint of the power of our, of our Heavenly Father's love for us. And most of us know, I, I think really most of us in our most lucid moments, we know that the deepest joy we have comes from our families we make covenants with our spouse. We, we, we promise things to our spouse and our children. We have stewardship of our, that's another key word, by the way. You know, if, if you think of yourself as a child of God, and you think of God as a parent of all people on the earth, it certainly changes your perspective as a parent of your own children. I've met people who, who sort of perceive ownership of their children. It's all, it's like, hey, I, I made them. They're, they're biologic creations of my body. I own them. They're mine. They're my children. And that's such a destructive attitude for parenting. I'm, how much better to think of stewardship? I'm a steward. These are God's children. They're not my children. I'm like the temporary babysitter of these children of God who came my family. And, and imagine the trust of these children coming to me, an inexperienced parent, and coming as an infant, helpless. What a stewardship to try to raise them in a way that's pleasing to their real father, to God. And so um, this is where the joy comes, not not the joy of pleasantness and and serenity and the absence of worry, I mean, if if that's the kind of joy you want, you would never get married. You would never have a family. Uh, No, this is a deeper joy, the joy that comes as much from challenge and pain as from peace and plenty. Um, I love the scripture in in our Book of Mormon, uh, and I'm going to add some words in parentheses as I read it, because I think this is how we all read it. Adam and Eve fell that man and women might be mortal, and men and women are mortal that they might have joy. That's the plan, I think, of our heavenly parents. There's a little anonymous verse maybe some of you have heard before. I, I memorized it years ago and it stayed with me all these years because to me it's so perfect in describing the difference between mere happiness and this deeper thing that we call joy. It goes like this, happiness is a thing of here and now, the bright leaf in the hand, the moment sun, the fight accomplished or the summit won. Joy is a lifting buoyant kind of thing that lifts the bird more surely on its wing. When things go well, happiness may start, but joy is secret smiling of the heart that's the power. And it's these earthly families that can give us such great joy. And if that's true, expand that vision a little. Try to imagine the joy that can and will come through our heavenly parents. Uh, What I'm saying is if we find joy now in, let's say, greeting a returning missionary or, or welcoming a family member who comes to a visit, just imagine the joy of returning to our heavenly home. If we find joy now in pleasing a parent or serving a brother, imagine the joy that we'd find when we when we please our heavenly parents or when we assist in some way in serving Christ or, or in loving our parents, our heavenly parents' family. There's a lot of power in that. Um, we are heirs. That's an interesting word when you think of a parental God. We're, we're the heirs. We they want to give us what they have, and we want to receive it. So it's a powerful blessing. And I think the danger for church members who, who believe in this, who, who, who really believe and have a testimony of a parental God, the, the danger is that we take this rare and precious knowledge for granted. Um, for those of us who have grown up with it, it's, it's an easy thing to do. This joy and gratitude—it's—it's it's a thing that needs constant rekindling. We—we we just have to remind ourselves of how how beautiful it is. Um, I th- there's kind of an oxymoron here. Do you like oxymorons, like I do? I, two words that are often used together, but that almost sound like opposites of each other. Um, the oxymoron is confident humility. That sounds like two antonyms, but, but not really, because if we believe in heavenly parents, if we believe in a parental God, then we are confident because we're children, literal children of God, and we can tap into their power. So confidence becomes faith, basically. But we're also incredibly meek and humble because we grasp that we are nothing without God. And the gap between God's perfection and our imperfection is so incalculably wide that we're, we're confident at the same time that we're humble. Now, let's, let's spend the last few minutes of the show on the hard question. Because the minute we believe in a parental God, then the question is, how do we, what do we do about it? How do we implement our beliefs? That's always the big question. Um, how do we put it into action? And, you know, we, we can start by thinking what kind of a parent God is. How he loves us unconditionally, how he forgives us, how he gives us agency, how he tries to um, let us learn how he's always available, how the line is never busy. I mean, we can try to emulate the kind of parenting God does. We can also try to emulate what we believe must be the partnership between a heavenly mother and a heavenly father. Um, A union where we try to get synergy, where we try to become one. We try to become this yin and yang of, of a marriage where there is equality and respect and and unity. Um, I want to just say one more thing along those lines. Um, President Dallin Oaks, who is in the first presidency of our church, I always feel like I have to give a little explanation because we have listeners from all different faiths. But he, he... made a statement that to me sort of encapsulizes and grasps and contains all of what I've been trying to say today. He said, our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to become like them. Now that's really something. I mean, we get criticized as a church as heretics when we say we want to become like God. But what we're saying is that eternity is a long time and that every time we we do anything that's good or that's right or every time we learn a true lesson, we're becoming a tiny, tiny little bit more like God who is perfect. And, and we're working steadily and gradually over eternity toward that. And therein lies the joy. And so... Um, I think that's what we have to constantly remind ourselves of and just try to keep in mind that that's where we're going. Um, Let me end with a thought, a kind of a numerical thought, which I hope will remind those of us who believe in God as a literal father, literal mother, heavenly parents. let me let, let me put it this way, and then let me explain a little before I sign off today. There are 2.5 billion Christians in the world who refer to God as, quote, Father, unquote. But among them, 995 out of every 1,000, at least officially, they use the term f- Father figuratively or symbolically or metaphorically. It's a term of respect we call God Father because we look up to Him and so on. But five out of every thousand among those 2.5 billion Christians use the term literally, believing that we are literal spirit, sons and daughters of God. I'd like to ask you in closing to consider that. Do you believe that? Do you believe we are truly children of God? And if you do, think about the ramifications in terms of how you live your life and how you, how you perform and live and act and behave as a parent and as a marriage partner and as a brother and a sister. And as a human being living on this world shared by all of your billions spiritual siblings thank you for listening today i i love as you can tell i love this subject i know i'm just scratching the surface but let's think about it together and we'll see you next time on ours on the road when much to your relief linda will be back with me and it'll be both of us doing the next podcast we send our love to you and hope you have a great week